You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Broadway Gives Back podcast. I'm your host, Jan Svensson. This podcast spotlights Broadway actors, shows, and organizations in their pursuit of social impact and philanthropy. Join us as some of the brightest lights on Broadway share their stories about their favorite charities and how they got involved, and the people and the causes who benefited from these philanthropic efforts. My next guests are two powerhouse women who founded the new Museum of Broadway in Times Square. Julie Boardman is a two-time Tony Award-winning producer. She is currently a co-producer on Funny Girl, and her other Broadway credits include An American in Paris, Carousel, Company, Indecent, and The Inheritance. Julie is a Tony voter, a member of the Broadway League, and is on the theater committee at the New York Public Library for the Performing Arts and the Musical Theater Advisory Board for University of Southern California. Go Trojans. Diane Nicoletti is a creative director, producer, and entrepreneur. For two decades, she has produced some of the biggest events and fan experiences for Game of Thrones, Super Bowl, Comic-Con, and South by Southwest. As a founder of her award-winning experiential marketing agency, she has worked on Deadpool, Frozen, American Horror Story, among others. Why did I want these women on Broadway Gives Back? Because their museum gives back to the Broadway community and to Broadway fans everywhere. Julie, Nicole, welcome to the Broadway Gives Back podcast. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. It's so nice for you guys to be here. Um, so I know Julie a little bit. Diane, I don't know you very well, and our listeners don't know you very well at all. So I thought maybe before we begin our discussion about the museum and about giving back, um, we could get to know you a little bit better. So I thought maybe a few rapid-fire questions would be fun to do. Sure. All right, I'm going to start with you, Julie. What are three words that describe you? I think I'm disruptive, like good at networking and... Um, I don't know. Those are two words, I guess. <laughs> I like the disruptive. What is your favorite, now that it's holiday season, what's your favorite holiday tradition? I, I love like the holidays and just singing like Christmas carols in my in my apartment, actually. <laughs> Normally it's like Broadway show tunes, but during, <laughs> during December it, it changes a bit. What's the best advice you ever received from someone? Well, it depends. I have a couple like good little ones actually that are coming to mind. You know, one is that it's a marathon, not a sprint. 
So, you know, kind of looking at things holistically and, you know, not making rashes or trying to, you know, look at the big picture for things. Um, that's been a, an approach that I've taken in my career on Broadway, kind of getting to know everyone and realizing I was um, on the younger side and female and had hopefully a long journey ahead of me. So um, just picking shows that I really gravitated towards to be part of um, for that you know, not to let anyone down, I guess. So if you say you're going to do something to make sure you follow through with it. Um, and that's something I've always tried to stick through. Nice. And what is one thing that you are grateful for today? Actually, Diane, um, I'm really grateful. And I couldn't have, you know, this, you know, what we've built wouldn't be possible. Like, you know, we Work. We've been friends um, for 20 years and we went to college together and um, you know, we've worked together and, um, you know, just, I think we help balance each other out and the highs and the lows and, you know, just having a really great partner by your side, who's also your friend. I think, um, oh, is that's so nice. That, She's going to make me cry thing. before oh, questions. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a perfect segue to you, Diane. Oh um, no, I'm like waving away tears. <laughs> I'm going to change up the questions a little bit so you didn't have time to prepare. Um, tell us two truths and one lie about yourself. I like ice cream. I had one of my kids on the side of a road and I went to USC. Okay, and now tell us, uh, Julie, you tell us, which one is the lie since you know Diane so well? Um, I would say she does not like ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> true? She definitely had a child on the side of the road. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right, that is a story for another podcast, another and I want to hear it. It's yes. <laughs> great. Um, Diane, can you share with us one of the New Year's resolutions that you're going to make this year? I think coming off of this wonderful project to have balance in my life uh, with my family and friends and work and everything. So, but still being very dedicated to the museum. Don't worry. <laughs> what is one thing that you're most proud of? I know you're proud of a lot of things, but what's like today, what's hitting you like that you're most proud of? I think honestly, opening the museum and, and doing it with Julie, it's, it's, the biggest accomplishment professionally that I've had in in my life. Um, obviously, I love my kids and I love my family, and I'm proud of them. But you know, it's in terms of an accomplishment. I I would definitely say the museum. Um, and then I'll ask you the same question: What are you most grateful for today? Well, now I ha now I'm definitely saying Julie. <laughs> that would be a jerk move if I did. So. <laughs> All right, so you guys have been friends since college, which is so cool. So, Julie, can you share one thing that you have learned from Diane that you kind of keep with you in your your everyday life, or one trait that she has that's like most meaningful to you? Yeah. Um, yeah. Diana and I, we've been friends for such a long time. Um, I think she's, she's really good about keeping people on track and a schedule and making things like making sure things happen um, <laughs> where I can get like into the ideas and the stuff. And she's like, okay, so which one are we going to do? She keeps, she keeps it moving and on track. So good taskmaster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Diane, it's your turn. What is one trait of Julie? Is there something that you've learned from her that makes your life better? I think she looks at life and projects differently than anyone else I've ever met. 
And it took me a little while to get used to that, to be honest, but it always produced better results. Now you're trying to make me cry. Uh, well, this is going to be a mushy, you know, sort of holiday session here. But I wanted, I want to talk about the museum, and I want to talk about the giving back aspect of the museum. But first, for those of you who have not heard, are living under a rock, the Museum of Broadway is now open, and it's this incredible, immersive, and interactive theatrical experience, and it's devoted to musicals and plays and the people who create them. Um, you guys at the museum, you feature works from dozens of different designers and artists and theater historians, and it's really a one-of-a-kind um, space to experience uh, Broadway. There's a timeline of Broadway that sort of takes us through birth to present day, where the past, the present, and the future kind of all come together. So my first question, um, just to set the stage pun intended, um, is can you tell us the story of the development or the timeline of putting this museum together? So uh, as we said, Diane and I have been friends for a very long time. Um, and I, you know, I grew up as a huge fan of Broadway and was performing and all of these things. And I switched into the producing side in my late 20s and have been working um, consistently on on Broadway shows um, and I was in a conversation with one of my investors actually who was like why is there a Broadway museum and I was like I don't know <laughs> and it sort of went in one ear and out the other that moment but it must have stuck because then later Diane and I were having um, I think just having like drinks to catch up or something and we were talking um, about various experiences and what's happening in life and pop culture and um, and it kind of became this aha moment, if you will, where we were like, oh, what if you took, because um, I've also worked with Diane when she's producing all of these incredible fan experiences, um, I would help staff and on-site manage. I had a um, staffing company um, for many, many years, I guess up until COVID, COVID might have killed my, my staffing agency, but um, but you know, so we would work together. I'd hire all of these out of work Broadway actors to work on these fan experiences. And so it's sort of the start of the Museum of Broadway, actually, because, you know, it's, it's, ta it's taking this brand, be it a TV show or a, a movie or whatnot, or, um, and, and then bringing it to life. And so as we were brainstorming um, over cocktails, um, you know, always the best way like, to brainstorm, by the way, <laughs> always the best, yes, always the best way to brainstorm. Um, and so we were like, Oh, what if you, what if you were to take the history of Broadway and then even further, like, how do you make a Broadway show? Because most people don't know, but you mm -hmm. did it in the way of, um, you know, an experiential, you know, an attraction, um, if you will experience that, you're like walking through and it comes to life around you. And, um, you know, when you get to Oklahoma, you're walking through an immersive cornfield and you're like transported into these different um, shows. What if you were to do it like that? And so it was kind of this, we're like, oh, that's great. But we hadn't settled quite on the idea at that, at that point. And we went through a lot of different whiteboarding to figure out like, what was the story we wanted to tell where, you know, to, <clears throat> excuse me, we're to, millennial like on the cusp i guess we're both 40 um 
people seem to ask lately. So be upfront <laughs> about it. Um, but, um, you know, we're, we're two millennial women who have this idea to create this, you know, museum dedicated to Broadway um, and do it in the way that people like to kind of experience things nowadays. Um, and so making it very current. And so I think we had like a, a different perspective than had anyone else had done this in the past. And so we looked at it kind of through that lens and, you know, different social issues and things, you know, we were able to bring our, our viewpoint and perspective, I guess, in as we were um, creating this. We looked at a lot of things through the lens, like when we finally got to the final, like what would the experience be for people when they're walking through? As you're walking through the timeline of Broadway, it's really centered around this idea of we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. So had people not pioneered and pushed ground and taken risks in the art form that is Broadway, we wouldn't have what we have today. And the shows that are so incredibly popular um, today wouldn't be possible or look like they do because, you know, they exist because it, this art form has been developed over the years. So we kind of started like workshopping what that could look like and how to organize the content and make sure it's a really great experience. Um, so the museum is broken into um, three main um, areas. The first is the map room. Um, right before you get to it, you're in everything we call it the playable room, and it's everything that's currently running on Broadway today. Um, it's very Switzerland. So every show, a lot of people don't know that there are 41 Broadway theaters. They just know like the major titles. Mm -hmm. um, and so we want to give everyone the same exposure to the play that's just open to the big running show that, you know, so everyone. So you're updating that every day. Exactly. Cause, yeah. Because shows, shows are opening and closing. And closing. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so you start there and then there's a door it says let's start at the very beginning and you go back in time into the map room which takes you through um the theater history because a lot of people don't realize in new york city the theaters actually started downtown in the financial mm -hmm. district where people first settled and then migrated north to long acre square which then became times square in the early 1900s so we tell that story through about a four minute video through projection mapping onto a deconstructed cityscape. Um, Jen Tepper helped create the content and Julie James has done the voiceover, the Broadway Symphonetta, recorded music. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's um, you know, it's really fun and it's brightly colored. Everything that's um, the history, it's, uh, we make it not spinach, I guess, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. but it still has mm -hmm. the content. Um, then you start walking this timeline of Broadway starting in the 1700s when the first documented theater performance in New York happened all the way through the present day. And then as you're walking through the timeline, we have traditional timeline walls that have been curated by Ben West that cover plays, musicals, these groundbreaking moments that have happened in our history, um, milestone moments. But it also clocks you what was happening socially at the same time. So um, you know, when the Vietnam War happened and things like that. So you're like uh, looking at history and staying on the timeline as you go through. And then when we get to certain shows that have helped to essentially transform the landscape of Broadway, um, there's an exhibit dedicated to that show um, designed by either an artist um, or a Broadway scenic designer um, to bring it to life. Um, and so we'll get into that a little bit more in a second, I think. But mm -hmm. um, you're getting the show, 
history, you're understanding why it's, you know, some of the shows that are being highlighted. And then you're, it's coupled with like artifacts and costumes and props and, you know, lyric sketches and things. Um, so it, it goes like that all the way until you get to present day. And then when you're at present day, you knock on a stage door and you go backstage into the making of a Broadway show designed by David Rockwell. Um, and uh, Broadway.com has presented that room. And you you go into this world and you get to see, you don't have to be an actor. You could do all of these different jobs that mm-hmm. are all part of Broadway. And if you're, you know, really interested in math, you could become a general manager. And, you know, you could, there are so many things people just don't know. And so we want to expose them to all these different um, career paths that someone might be able to have and still work in Broadway. Um, and then we also have a special exhibit that will rotate um, and a gift shop where we feature, you know, something from every current running show. We have a shop within a shop with the Herschel Foundation, which is our first special exhibit. Um, we have stuff from Broadway Cares, a bunch of our different partners. We have scenery mm-hmm. bags. It's, you know, small businesses. So we're like trying to, you know, we're a small business, lots of small business. We're just, you know, we want to, you know, highlight, highlight people who are doing incredible work, I think. Um, we also have a studio space where we can do a lot of like classes and talks panel discussions it could be a kid's birthday party or a cocktail party too so um we've got a lot of a lot going on at the museum of broadway um <laughs> that's for sure uh-huh. I, I was just going to share one other one other thing that um we haven't brought up yet um which i think is 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 pretty cool is when you're walking through the timeline um when you're in the museum walking through the timeline um we actually pause when we get into the 80s um, you know, Broadway Cares is our charitable partner, um, but it, it's it's more than that. We wanted to make sure that as people were, you know, experiencing the history and walking through the timeline, um, you know, when you you get to the eighties, we we stop and pause and reflect, and we have an exhibit dedicated to the AIDS epidemic and those we lost to AIDS or AIDS related illnesses in the in the theater community. Um, there's a red ribbon installation that Hot Tea has done, um, and his artist name and his name is Eric Riger. And then, um, Debbie Millman created this beautiful, it's very harrowing. The first time she showed us, um, her ideas on the Zoom, um, really one embarrassed I am, but she, she started crying. She got really emotional. Um, and that's how, you know, it's meant to hit you like that when you're walking through, because the museum is like bright and colorful and neon and sequins and fun and um as you're going through and you know there when you're in hair you're like swinging on a swing and you know like it's very fun and then you get to the 80s and we want people to remember and so you know we also have the AIDS quote um Broadway Cares has loaned it to us to display um from back in the 80s you know they're it, it's really beautiful and it's signed by so many people in the theater community um, and then it describes, you know, their work and, and what they do. But um, we also have a plaque that reminds people that it, it's actually still continuing today. It's just not talked about as much. So, um, it, you know, just to kind of get people to, to remember. Um, and, you know, then you continue on the timeline in your journey. And, um, but we just wanted that, that experience for people. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for doing that. That's so important. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When I worked at the Broadway League for all those years, you know, there were so many people that came and pitched to me about this idea of a museum for Broadway, which I thought was an incredible idea. But like there was never there was never the right idea. Like I am so impressed with what you women have done. It's just it's so incredible. And we'll get into more of the details later, but I just wanted to say that. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so Diane, what do you anything you want to add or augment to what Julie has said about just an overview of the museum? Yeah, I mean Julie kind of hit all of like the the major things. Um I mean, going into like the journey of it was, it was just a lot of building blocks too, you know, it, it, looking at it, we had to have the big picture, but at the same time, like we needed to segment it out so we could actually execute it too, right? Mm -hmm. Because it can get really daunting if you look at it too big picture. It's like, well, we could never do that. So then we would just take like pieces at a time and be like, well, we can accomplish this right now. This is going to have to wait till later. And even now we're still doing the same thing. We want to do more programming and everything with the museum, but we always said we would wait until we opened and then we would start, you know, doing that next. And mm -hmm. that's sort of the biggest part of taking on something of this magnitude, if you will, of always just kind of taking it in chunks, <laughs> if you will, so that so that we could actually make it happen. So it's amazing. I, I love the idea that you guys have founded this museum in collaboration with so many different partners and stakeholders, because it is important to include the community and um but especially the the several not-for-profit organizations that you've involved like broadway cares and the new york public library for the performing arts and the al hirschfeld foundation can you explain sort of the rationale behind partnering with the 501c3 orgs i was gonna say i think we always wanted um the museum to you know i think the social good piece of it like we always knew that it needed to give back and um it should give back and we're so so incredibly like thrilled and honored to have broadway cares equity five days as our charitable partner um mm. that we donate a pros a portion of all of the proceeds um to them from all the ticket sales so every time someone buys a ticket or you know we're donating part of that to broadway cares um and in the beginning um as we were like whiteboarding and kind of figuring everything out we did go around and and meet with kind of the people who run all of those organizations behind Broadway, just to make sure everyone was like excited about, you know, or open to rather like the idea um, of 
of having um, the Museum of Broadway exist um, in like the ecosystem of Broadway. Um, and it is very much like a fan, you know, people who love Broadway are coming, but also people who work inside Broadway are coming and everyone's been having like a really um, great, you know, different experience because mm -hmm. everyone seems to have a different entry point in, um, which is really fun to see um, the multi-generational like appeal of, of what we've created is really, I think just um, we're both like really humbled and honored to be the ones to help to tell this story. You know, working with the library, they're, they uh, produced a couple, like I, um, I produced a gala with my friend Nolan Duran um, during COVID for them to help raise money. There's what they have, the resources. Um, I know there's, you know, the, uh, the libraries, their funding might get cut. Like it's, 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 um, you know, without them, this history wouldn't still exist. They just are such a resource and, um, you know, have so many different people's archives and in their possession. So, you know, they were just a really wonderful partner. Um, and we worked very closely with Doug um, Reside, uh, who's the curator of the Billy Rose Theater um, Division. So, um, so <laughs> I just have to ask, what's your dog's name? Oh, Zola. Zola. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we like yeah. hearing Zola in the background. That was the last time I talked to you, Julie. It was about the gala for the Performing Arts Center. I was mm -hmm. just remembering now during COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you helped us um, when we auctioned off, I think it's like Neil Simon's writing desk, which is Uh huh. Cool. Exactly. Diane, probably not a fair question, but is there one exhibit in the museum that is probably like this speaks to you and i'm sure it probably changes depending on you know what what you're doing and what you're thinking that was there one that's sort of personal to you where you feel like oh i love this one it brings tears to my eyes or makes me feel good or something yeah i mean i lean towards phantom because it and i remember my taking my brother to it on opening and we were crying because we we're like this is like the first show we saw together there was like a personal memory if you will um mm. plus like you know the artist was i mean all of the artists were lovely but the german artist that created this it was just such like a fun story and process with her of making this chandelier out of over 13 almost now fourteen thousand, but like over thirteen thousand crystals to represent the number of performances that phantom has run um you know yeah. to me that's really to me that was just a really special one but i do love all the exhibits so it's my favorite because of a personal, <laughs> a personal memory. So, um, what I think is really interesting too is that you, it's a museum for Broadway fans, but it's also a museum for what I would call just sort of the casual theater goer, somebody who goes every couple of years, or somebody mm -hmm. who's coming to New York and just wants to soak in the New York experience. And what I particularly like is that the museum serves an important purpose in the area of like arts education and culture. You know, I, I was thinking about it. It's great that you guys have the philanthropic piece of it with Broadway Cares, and we'll get into a little bit more of that later. But um, but this idea of just arts ed and that, you know, students, I can just see student groups coming there and, you know, experiencing this because we all know that theater is good for education, right? And it helps, you know, STEAM versus STEM and all that. So I can just see how this museum would be so um, important to the arts education piece of um, of, of education. Um, I just came back from uh, Berlin and there's a, a Jewish museum there. And it's it reminds me a little bit of, of 
you know, this in a way only because it's very immersive and it's also a timeline and you break out into these different rooms that um, and exhibits that are um, pivotal. And so you feel like you're part of it. But what's interesting is that um, all German school children are, go to this museum, you know, it's part of their curriculum. So can you talk a little bit about the arts ed piece of the, uh, of the museum and, and the goals for that? Sure. Um, and that, that also too was, you know, again, sort of uh, segmenting things out, like how we were going to tackle it, we knew that there'd always be an educational component to it. And and right now we are building out, you know, workbooks and workshops and things like that, that can be really um, appealing, attractive, helpful for the education community, um, for educators. Um, we've also had a lot of you know, directors come through from the universities, even we've already had some school groups come in. So people in and of themselves are already seeing it as a great opportunity from an education um, standpoint, but we're trying to take some additional steps to make it even more so. Um, so more to come on that, but it's it's definitely a important component for us um, as we continue to, to build the museum and um, and what we can offer the community and beyond. Julie, when you were talking earlier, you talked about how that some of these breakout exhibits highlighted areas where, um, you know, there was social change going on or some kind of political, um, you know, event happening. And I just wondered, is social responsibility and advocacy going to be integrated into the museum as a concept? So for example, diversity, inclusion, equity, other important sort of social, cultural, political, and impact issues. How do you envision that being incorporated in the future into the uh, future exhibits at the at the museum? Yeah, it's a that's a great question. Um, it's actually incorporated now um, because of the the lens, I think, at which we approached the museum in the first place as we were developing it um, by highlighting so many people who um, as I said before, like pioneered and like trailblazed. Um, there's a lot of history that doesn't often, you know, it's a bit overlooked um, from time to time. And we, um, with Ben, like that was something we really wanted to put an emphasis on um, was looking at that and, and highlighting, you know, people who were the first to do X. And you, like, you just, as we're going through the timeline, so I think it's naturally, um, already baked in just because the three of us have that in our heart i think um but it is the continuation of it and um but i think it's one piece of you know as you're walking through the timeline um again everyone takes something different away from it but if you are a storyteller or you know writer or you know composer lyricist aspiring you know um if if that's something that people are are looking to do you can see a lot of um the inspiration throughout and the idea is you can do it too right and in order for basically i don't know this is my personal personal viewpoint at least but you know to build a better tomorrow if we look at our past and then we examine our present that's kind of a great way to to do that to be able to build tomorrow and um exposing people to you know, seeing that it's possible or they could do it too, or, you know, um, there's a bit of like mentorship that you even get as you're walking through the timeline, you know, mentoring Stephen Sondheim and then it's mm -hmm. Sondheim is, you know, so you just, Jonathan Larson, and then that's mm -hmm. inspiring Lin-Manuel Miranda. And those are just mm -hmm. some very notable e examples, I think, but you see that on a, um, 
a more granular scale, I think, as you're like walking through too, and especially in the making of a Broadway show exhibit, um, you hear from, I think there's somewhere around like 150 interviews with people in that room who do those different jobs. And the questions, um, oh, and who I did the library event with that I mentioned, he conducted and edited all those videos. Um, the questions that, you know, as part of some of them that, you know, we've been sure to ask were, you know, how did you get your start? what was kind of some of the questions you've been asking us actually like mm -hmm. best advice um, for someone looking to get into it. Um, what is it that you actually do? Um, and kind of just breaking that down. And then they've been edited together so that, you know, there are these hour long interviews, sometimes half hour long interviews, that, you know, that have been like edited down to bite size so people can um, get a sense of, of mm -hmm. what it is that these different jobs do. So by exposing people to it, maybe they see, oh, I could do this too. And then they go down this career path. And maybe hopefully, it, you know, if it inspires one person, I think we've, we've accomplished. Um, well, that's so important. I mean, professional development is another way of giving back. And you guys certainly help set, you know, create a platform for that. To your point earlier, you know, if I had known I mean, I realized in seventh grade that I had no talent when I was in Mr. Lachey's theater class um, growing up here in LA. Um, so I kind of just abandoned the whole thing. And I, I mean, I was always a theater, ca you know, a theater, ca casual theater fan, I guess I'll say. But um, I realized I wasn't going to be on stage. So I realized there was no future for me in there. And it wasn't until I really happened upon, you know, this job being head of marketing for for the Broadway League and the Tony Awards where I went, oh, wow, I wish I had known about this when I was 12, because that would have like really, you know, keyed me in. So all those other jobs and the professional development that you, um, you know, educate about is so, it's so important. Diane, I wonder, are there any other ideas that you guys have that you, you know, you were talking about sort of step by step, and I really, I love the methodical um, way that you're going forward, but are there any ideas that you have for the future about ways to incorporate giving back? Um, into the museum's um, DNA. Yeah, I mean, I do. I do think programming is going to be a big piece of that. And so, whether that be striking new conversations for Broadway, um, we had a really interesting conversation with um, a bunch of educators that we had come through that were, um, you know, professors of theater, um, directors of alumni events and relations, um, folks that. Yeah, asked very pointed questions about, you know, Broadway, Broadway's history, the future of Broadway, and opening some of those conversations up that we maybe couldn't cover within the museum will be really interesting to, um, you know, to sort of take that to the next level and and cover more cover more information. So, and then also to that also goes into career advancement or career awareness um, for different groups of people too as they go through. Um, but then who knows? Like there might be things outside of the four walls, if you will, of the museum that we could explore too. But not quite there yet. But spoken like an experiential marketing person. Something, <laughs> something in the future for Ooh. sure. Yeah. I feel a fan experience idea. coming soon. <laughs> uh, speaking of, of of crazy ideas, um, before this recording of this podcast, um, we uh, put our heads together and we are going to here now in the spirit of the holidays launch an online auction. Um, and you're hearing it now for the first time. So we are going to 
to auction off online um, four tickets to the museum, plus a little goodie bag for the family, um, and an exclusive guided tour of the museum by Julie. Um, and Diane, too, if you're there. Um, and the money that's raised by this auction is going to go to Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. Um, so first of all, thank you for for the donation. And this is always nice for me when I can combine my day job with my side gig. Um, so this is awesome. And we will put the link to the auction in the episode page uh, so that people can go on there and bid uh, to win. I wish I could. I wish I could bid on it, but I think that would be a conflict of interest. But I would love to have you um, guide. Uh, give me a guided tour, Julie. I'd be happy to. <laughs> so thank you for that. I always ask my guests um, a couple things, and I always ask, what advice would you give to listeners of this podcast about becoming what I call everyday philanthropists or activists? Um, you guys have managed to incorporate that in your everyday lives, but also obviously in the work you're doing with the museum. What advice would you give to listeners about how they can become philanthropists or activists? I feel like I have not done enough to even comment on that. Like I think that <laughs> it was very, it was a natural incorporation for the museum for us to do something. Like I guess that would be the advice is where you can contribute, contribute, and what you feel comfortable with, what you can do, speaking from the heart, speaking from the mind. But I am by no means, you know, all of the accomplished people when it comes to philanthropy, I definitely don't hold a candle. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I, I am the the best expert to, to give advice on that. No, but what you just said, Diane, was actually really, really relevant. And that is like to do things in a natural, organic way. And no one has said that before, actually. That's a really good comment and a really good note. I'm going to keep that one in the back of my head. Um, so thank you for that. What about you, yeah, Julie? What do you think? Yeah, I think um, I agree that what, what Diane said. I think it's it's finding ways that you're able to do it in your life, right? Um, and if it's in your heart, and then you, you know, we saw with the museum, um, you know, we wanted to do, I, I guess that's the first thing is you have to decide to want to. Um, and so with the museum, we did, we were able to do that and we'll be able to do, you know, continue to, to do and, and give back hopefully um, as, as we as we move forward. Um, yeah, again, uh, the same. I could say I don't hold a candle either. <laughs> I, you know, but try, try to do. I love what you just said. You have to decide that you want to. That's really important. You have to decide that you want to. Thank you for that. Um, and yeah. thank you both for being on this podcast. I really appreciate the time. And um, everybody should go to this museum. I'm so excited that it's opened. It's in the middle of Times Square. And all the information will be on the episode page. Diane, Julie, thank you for being here and happy holidays. And um, I look forward to coming to the museum. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Broadway Gives Back podcast. Broadway Gives Back is part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Special thanks to my producing partner, writer, editor, and friend, Jim Lochner. And thank you to everyone at BPN, including Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, and Kimberly Garris. I'd also like to thank Julian Hills from the Bulldog Agency and Eric Becker from Broderick Street Music. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you stream your podcasts. You can also follow Broadway Gives Back on Facebook and Instagram at Broadway Gives Back Podcast and on Twitter at Broadway Gives. To learn more, visit bpn.fm slash Broadway Gives Back. 
Thanks so much. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking.、Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and、uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.